0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 31 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Johnny Cullen, and joined always by my co-host, Dwayne Steinel. Dwayne, we are lucky to have uh, beat writer for the Las Vegas Golden, up oh, oh, scratch that, the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, beat writer Jesse Granger for The Athletic, um, and as we just found out, a uh, member of the trade, a goaltender himself. Jesse, we are so happy to have you on, man. Thanks for Thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, I I saw the name of the podcast had goalie in it, and I'm like, yeah, sign me up. I'll, I'll talk. To <laughs> sign, you he's,
0: in, he's in, So we uh, perfect timing because um you know we haven't with our past few guests not being tied to any of the teams. Uh, this presents uh you know a great opportunity for us because now with only two series going um, and some good series at that, um you know it, it's going to be great to get your insight on uh on the series um because you know what I, I knew the stars had a good team, but They've, uh, they've, you know, ridden, uh, Khudobin, and he has been incredible. But before we get to that, Dwayne, we, uh, Jesse just told us a great story off air and it kind of ties, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're not, I don't want to say man crush, but your hero to, uh, well, he's a man crush too, right? You love him. Dominic Hasek. So Jesse, just a little background for the, for the folks listening. Um, so you grew up in Colorado Springs, um, and didn't play a ton of ice hockey. So you got into roller hockey. Tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, what that was like and, um, how you and Dwayne are connected with with our guy, Hashik.
1: Yeah, so yeah, I grew up in Colorado Springs right outside Denver by the Olympic training facility, and I, play, I played both growing up, ice and roller. Um, ice got really expensive really fast, so I ended up trending more towards roller and played that um, more competitively and still play roller to this day, but in uh, goalie all the time, the whole way. I played, obviously, when you're a little kid, you play everything, but Basically, from when I started playing hockey, seriously, on teams, I was a goalie the whole way, and I was telling you guys, when I first started playing hockey, it was just in the street, like everyone does. Um, You drag the net out into the middle of the street, you have to move it when a car drives by, and we're all playing. (laughs) Right, and I'm, and I'm, so I'm the goalie, and at the time, I'm just kind of putting together gear at Goodwill, everything I see, and I've got, like, a baseball glove in one hand, I've got soccer shin pad was my blocker on my right hand. I'm just holding it by the straps that are supposed to go around your legs looking like an idiot. And then I found eventually a mask and it was a Cooper mask, just the birdcage that would normally be for a skater that plays out. And I'm like, you know what? This doesn't look anything like the one Patrick Wall wears. And obviously growing up in Colorado, he was kind of my idol. He's the guy. Right. The guy, but, yeah. I mean, it's good enough. It's, it's, it, at least it'll stop the hockey ball from hit me in the face. So I'm, I'm Definitely. wearing that and I, I didn't feel great about it, but I'm wearing it out in the street. And then one day I turn on the TV and like, usually it's abs on, but this time it was the Sabres and I see Dominic Hoshik for the first time. And I don't know, I was like six or seven, eight, maybe. And I'm like, holy shit, this guy's got the same mask as me. The, the crappy one that I have to wear from Goodwill. I'm like, and, and awesome. then he's, he's, he's making all these awesome saves. And I, I had absolutely no idea at the time that he was one of the greatest goalies to ever live. But I'm like, this guy's my new favorite goalie. He's my guy. And, and so I, I got to see the the Avalanche win the cup in 01. But honestly, the my biggest memory as a kid, um, hockey memory, watching hockey was the... Game six against Dallas, they went to I think triple overtime, overtime, and and obviously the, the the skate was in the crease. Game that was me. Like, even though I grew up an Avalanche fan, my biggest memory was that game and just how awesome Hashik was and how devastated I was. I had never stayed up that late to watch hockey in my yep. life. And
2: buddy, b- buddy, buddy, <laughs> I, I was I was I'm three years older than you. And so how old were you? I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm terrible at math. I'm trying. To what think year 99. was the the Hasek ninety nine eight ninety eight ninety nine season?
1: Okay, when, so uh, I was no goal. I was eight.
2: You were. All right. So I was 12 and I went out 11 or 12 and I went out and the very next morning with a, with a notebook and tried to get people in my neighborhood to sign a petition that said to carry
0: back yes. to reverse the oh, call. Man, that, is, <laughs> that is peak Dwayne. And I love that. Oh yeah. You know it's funny though. Cause it's one of those memories for me. It's like, you remember exactly. I remember exactly where oh. I was for that. And, and you Jesse, I share the same thing. Even though, um, you know, you were on a later time zone, so it was even later for you. I remember as, because uh, I think I was eight or nine too. I was born in 91. Yeah, so I uh, I remember my family had friends over. It was, a you know, a big thing. We're a hockey family. And uh, we don't have a big living room. So I remember I, I didn't have a seat or a chair, so I'm like two feet from the front of the TV. And I had school the next day, and it was just uh, heartbreaking. And, uh, yeah, I remember, like, um, I was, I started furiously crying and, and yeah, Dwayne, I didn't form a petition, but I was like, that's no goal, that's no goal. That and I remember, I, I, I think that might have been the first, my dad is a psychologist, so he's very, he's the opposite of me. He's very mild mannered, you know, even keel guy. I think it was the first time I heard him, you know, drop the F bomb. And I'm like, oh, this, 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 is, this shit's serious. You know what I mean? So, yeah. That, yeah, that's a great story. I love it. It's always good to have a former goalie on, um, or, a, you know, not former goalie, a, a fellow goalie. Um, I guess I'm a forward goalie now, too, boys. I strapped him up uh, yeah. recently, Dwayne. I went out with the, the college prep kids. And there's a couple D1, couple USHL kids out there. I'm like, I still got this, you know. Um, so, Jesse, I played, I guess you could call it competitively. There's this, like, summer league with, uh, you know, a few pros in it. Um, I played in that as recent as four years ago, and I did good. Won a championship, not a big deal. No, I went out, guys. I got lit up. I mean, Dwayne, you would have loved it. You would have loved to have filmed, Dwayne. I was getting –
2: Oh, uh, buddy! I coach too,
0: so I see him all the time. I, what happened, you old man?
2: A little over a month ago,
0: I went out with uh, you know, f- friend of the program,
2: uh, Anthony Day during his it's, uh, a program he, a clinic, a morning clinic he ran. Uh,
0: the morning skate.
2: Uh, yeah, morning school. That was called Dazer Hockey, but oh, it changed uh, name. he changed his He had Kenny Augustino out there with him, uh, because Kenny was in town, and you know, obviously, you know, he's a he's property of the maple Leafs, and he's uh i went to a
0: wedding with kenny kenny's a beauty friend of the program too i love it
2: second time i was on the ice uh since you know we were allowed to get back on the ice after you know quarantine and he pulled the beret on me man came in wide tapped it off his skate and like i there was nothing it's on instagram too which makes it even worse uh Another for of the program. Greg Day uh, made sure he got that on, on, on Instagram. Of course. But he made me look foolish, man. I there really wasn't much more I could do to cover that the way I did, other than maybe pull the Vasilevsky and throw my glove behind my back and hope for the best. But yeah, he lit me up pretty good. So uh, you know, that was my that's my story. of skiing. I'm, I should have I should have just walked off the ice right after that happened. Well,
0: <laughs> hey, you know what? It's it's been awesome to see. Um, I guess one of the storylines of this playoff has been, you know, go- goalies that, you know, were are not the starters coming in because of different situations uh, with Ben Bishop being hurt, um, you know, with the stars and, you know, Leonard kind of displacing Flurry, you know, guy. And, you know, as we saw last series uh, with Vegas and Vancouver, um, you know, it, it, with Demko stepping up, um, it, it's been really fun to see. And it just goes to show the quality of, you know, backup goaltending and, and how these guys are truly the top. If you think about it like this, there's three, you know, three legit goalies, even Colorado um, with Hutchinson. And he's a guy that I got to play against. And, guys, he was good in the OHL. He was a fifth-round pick to, to Boston. But, like, I remember, I'm like, I'm just as good as this guy. I, I think I split against him. and But he stepped up. He played really well. So, if you look at it like that, with three goalies per team that could step in at any given moment, they are the top 100 in the world at their trade. And it really goes to show how elite that top 100 is. Um, so before we get into that, I wanted to ask you, Jesse, um, how long have you been um, with, you know, following the Knights and, and what your time has been like with the Athletic? Because it's been, talk about you know, three years in the league. You guys already have a cup final appearance, um, you know, teetering on another. But you, know, you definitely got the, the conference final. And you know, with what happened last year uh, with the Sharks, which is blasphemy. I just realized today that Peter DeBurr was the coach at that time. Um, mm-hmm. I put that together. So just give a little background, I guess, and how, you know, how long you've been following the Knights and what that's been like, man. It's, it's been crazy. Teams spend, you know, 10, 15 years before they're relevant. And you guys are just unreal. What a, what a franchise. Absolute wagons.
1: Yeah. yeah it's, it's been, it's been a f- crazy three years. I mean, Vegas fan base and everyone out here is kind of getting a crash course in like what it's like being an NHL fan. They're getting, like you said, a hundred years of history jammed into three years. It seems like, um, it's been crazy. I, so I graduated from UNLV out here, uh, and, and got a job at the local paper, the Las Vegas sun. So I was covering like high school football, boxing, UFC. That's pretty much all we had in Vegas, uh, for a while. And then we get the hockey team. So I basically got to cover this team from inception, um, from when they were applying for expansion, when Bill Foley was applying for expansion to the gold, to the NHL, to naming the team, to bring the expansion draft, uh, Building the practice facility, building T-Mobile Arena, all that I got to cover Um, for the Sun. I covered that first season, that initial season for the Sun uh, when they went to the Cup Final, and then that off season uh, was when the Athletic finally expanded to Vegas. They previously had nobody in Vegas, so I was kind of the first guy out here. Uh, Took the job with the Athletic, best job I've ever had in my entire life. It's amazing. Um, I prefer Athletic here. Thank you. Yeah. I prefer writing the long form feature in depth analysis like that. That was always my thing. And like, even at the sun, I, I loved writing for the magazine. We have the Las Vegas weekly magazine out here. And I always love doing the magazine write articles because I get to spend a couple of weeks on it. It's a big long form thing. And that's kind of always been my forte and the athletic obviously specializes in that. So I was super excited to, to join them. So yeah, so I've covered the last two seasons for the athletic and it's been awesome. And, and this season obviously, still a little ways to go. We'll see what they can do tonight and if they can keep this thing going. But it's, it's been a lot of fun covering this team. A lot, of, a lot of ups and downs, more ups than downs, obviously. But also this room, I'm very lucky to cover a team with a bunch of awesome personalities from obviously Flurry is as good as it gets. But then you've also got guys like Ryan Reeves, Nate Schmidt, uh, hilarious characters that are always good to talk to in the locker room. So it's, it's been fun. I couldn't ask for anything better.
0: Really quick, I, still, I got to – we're doing really quick. Well, well, it's still fresh in my head. I got to play with Nate Schmidt at the USA Select uh, – you know, it's the top 200 players, Select 17. And he played for St. Cloud Cathedral or St. Cloud Prep. And they have this tradition there. And he was the he was a stud. He can fly. Dwayne, oh, yeah. not only did he have good flow, the, that school he went to – you know, we know that Minnesota listen, high school hockey has rich – Listen, tradition. no one's got
2: better flow than this. All right, guys. All, all right, right, all right.
0: I'm, I'm Willie Carlson.
2: Not a, not a shot.
0: So with Schmidt, so they have a Minnesota hockey has that rich tradition, right? His school, um, they like their rookie, their best rookie has to wear, uh, makes me think of, you know, Hasek had that white cage with the Cooper, uh, the, they picked one player that had to wear this, you know, old helmet with the, the white cage and it was electric. Cause here's this guy wearing the first time on the ice, you know, everybody there is good. It's the top 200 for your birth year, but here's Nate Schmidt wheeling around. He's the best player on the ice. And he was such a good guy. Uh, we weren't roommates, but we ended up moving our beds into the same room at, uh, what was that, St. Cloud State, their dorm room, which was hot as hell. But, no, Schmidt's a great guy. And, you know what, that presents a challenge for you because you can't be in the room during this pandemic, right? So, yeah. I, I'm imagining it's been, you know, a lot of hurdles for you to jump through um, for all journalists. Um, but I wanted to ask really quick before we get to the series, what was it like? Um, you know, I was a big fan of Gerard Gallant and, and what he was able to do and, and, um, you know, obviously George McPhee, you know, starting it and then Kelly McCrimmon, you know, kind of taking over, but with the coaching change, did you see that coming and what kind of led to that? Cause I wasn't following Vegas, you know, too much when it happened, but did you guys kind of go on a, a bit of a skid and, and what's, you know you know part one of the question there, part two, what's it been like since de Beers, uh taken over
1: yeah, uh to answer the first question, I did not see it coming at all. um I love Gerard Gallant. he's an awesome guy, an awesome coach he's been he was great to me, um working with him for two years here in Vegas, two and a half years, and it just honestly i think. It was a little bit of a skid. The Golden Knights were struggling there for a minute. They kind of fell out of playoff position right before he, he was fired, and he had lost four in a row, um, which obviously isn't a big deal. I mean, they play 82 games. Come on, four games. But I think it was more just a building of different, differences in philosophy between him and the Golden Knights' front office. And you, you go back to, like, the very beginning of year one, they had Vadim Shippeshev, who was their star recruit out of Russia that they signed. He was the first player they signed to the roster before they even had the expansion draft. And he didn't fit into Gerard Glant system. And he ended up retiring and going back to Russia after only playing three games with the golden Knights. And then
0: just, I forgot about that. That's right.
1: Then they trade for Tomas Chatar at the deadline and they gave up so much for him. A first, a first, second, second, and a third. Yeah. yeah. And, and he'd never That's fit a in the of- Lance lineup and he was, he was benched in the playoffs. Like he was a healthy scratch in the playoffs during that cup run. And they ended up having to trade him to Montreal for Max Pacioretty just because he wasn't going to be used in the system. And then you see a guy like Nikita Gusev who was supposed to be another star from Russia for this team and he came over and he just didn't seem to fit. And they ended up trading him this off season because of cap reasons. and and he was the cap casualty. And I just think my my read on it was that there were too many times that the front office thought they – had a player that they should be using and Gerard Galant just didn't fit into his system and it's hard to criticize either because everything the front office has done has worked and everything Gerard Galant had done had worked and then they hit a, a rough patch. Um, they had a couple months where they weren't scoring very similar to right now where they're creating chances but not finishing them and also that was when Marc-Andre Fleury had his bad stretch of the season. Um, he was going through a lot of personal stuff at the time um, his father passed away and he was struggling and I think that had a lot to do with his struggles and the team's struggles at that time And they and they decided to go with Peter DeBoer and I think that was more not really based on that period of struggling but more just they thought Peter DeBoer matched their management's ideas and and things a lot better than Gerard Gallant did and it's worked really well for DeBoer um, since he got here obviously he's won a lot he's got him in the conference final but at the same time I do think that some of DeBoer's systems and the and the, the type of play that they've Shown in these playoffs isn't necessarily built for this roster as well, so it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it's they are hard decisions to make, and a lot of them have paid off, but we'll see if they end up getting what they want, which is the cup.
2: I'll will tell you this right now, man. Uh, one of the one of the deals, obviously outside of the Stone deal that you guys knew, was bringing in Pacioretty because him and Stone together look unbelievable, man. It's like they've been playing together their entire lives. Just it's just that weird chemistry. They always know where each other are and. You know, I ho- I personally hope that they can you know w- win tonight and make you know let's get a game seven out of this because I really 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 want to see a Vegas Golden Knight Tampa Bay Lightning final because that'll be absolutely electric. I yeah. don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I, I mean, I was, was I was good. Actually,
1: Tampa is so much fun to watch they I mean at this point right now if they don't win the cup it's a massive upset to me whether it's Dallas or Vegas makes it out I mean they're the best team in hockey and they've been the best team in hockey for a few years and they they just couldn't seem to play at their best in the playoffs and we all kind of knew like if they ever figure it out and play at their best they're gonna run over everyone and that's kind of what's happening right now
0: with no Stamkos either
1: Right. Yeah. They're not even at their best. Yeah. It's, it's terrifying how good that team is.
0: Now I have a quick, quick question. And the last one before we get into the series, does Nevada have state tax?
1: No, it does not. And that oh, I, has benefited them greatly.
0: And, and so it has benefited Tampa greatly. Um, yeah. and you wonder how Florida hasn't taken that to their advantage. But anyways, my point is listening to the, one of the best decisions I ever made was getting serious, uh, for my car and listening to the, uh, to the NHL channel, Um, And they they went on, you know, a great rant about how, you know, some have projected or some have proposed, um, you know, a cap system that would take into account. um, I forget the name they called it, but they would take into account the the taxes and kind of even out the playing field. Because as we see what Tampa has been able to do, and, and it's not just that. Uh, they've also had some really great deals. You know, what they're getting out of Braden Point, I think, it like in between five and six or whatever he's at, that's incredible. Um, and it reminds me of Nathan McKinnon, too, because what he. what he that's did, contract in hockey. Yes, unbelievable. Um, but, it, Jesse, it makes me think of, you know, just how much of an advantage it is because. It's a big difference, and when you guys bring up Stamkos, that's what made me think of it. You remember when that whole thing went down, uh, you know, what he ended up signing for, it would be the – I think, what is he, at nine, I think, maybe eight or nine? um and you know if he were to sign in Toronto he's making the same amount of money as if he would if he were to get like 11.5 there and, and that's you know I, I I'd like to think that was a big reason for him being in, in Tampa but uh just real quick what are your guys thoughts on that proposed rule I'm sure Jesse that you're good with the way it is right now because you guys got a wagon of a roster uh but just really quickly what are your guys thoughts on maybe in the future them introducing the NHL introducing some kind of uh you know, way to even the playing field for teams that have high state taxes and what those that don't.
1: I definitely think they should, because the point of the salary cap is to even the playing field and try to create um, equality around the league and, and just trying to create parity and, it doesn't create parity when certain teams can, and it's not just Tampa, but like Nashville. There's no state tax. The Dallas Stars, the two teams in the conference final, Dallas and Vegas, both have no state tax. And well, when, and, you, when you
0: throw a Tampa, that's three out of the four in the, in the right, right, left, right.
1: And, and then you got the Islanders, where it's, I mean. The, you guys know state tax in, in New York is is way higher than but a I lot of feel like places. On
0: that point, though, it's a they're a different animal. They, but Barry Trotz has been able to get out of that lineup with no true stars. I know you can throw Barzell in there, but they're really built a different way. And it, dude, that's such an interesting case study to look at New York and what they're able to get out of their lineup and how he's able to to have them play. Like I I, I forget who it was, maybe Brock Nelson or Anders Lee. Them talking about. Um, just how Barry Trotz has each line playing uh, – I don't know how to say it. It's each playing a, a specific you know, um, system and, and how th- the game is so detail-oriented and how they're going to game plan for each line that they're playing against too and each opponent. Fascinating, fascinating article. I, I'm sorry I got my foot in my mouth a little bit on that, but just really interesting to, to think about. So, Dwayne, what are your thoughts on, on the proposed uh, cap issue with the state oh. taxes?
2: Before, before I get into my thoughts, I, I should be absolute blasphemy that I didn't mention that we also have our, uh, our producer on with us, Ty, Ty B. from Strain Rock, best mustache in all of Buffalo. Uh, yeah. Uh,
3: so. uh, no, Josh, Josh Allen still got me beat. I had to do it in honor of him. But the last two quarterbacks to throw for 300 yards in regulation for the Buffalo Bills both had a mustache. Shout out my man, Kyle Orton. Love you. Miss you. He's the GOAT. Oh.
0: Kyle Orn is the GOAT. <laughs> I miss him too. Ty B, I have my screen halfway, so I didn't even know you were on here, buddy. How are you?
3: <laughs> Feeling good. Great Bills win, but I, I honestly love that rule proposal. I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that could be very interesting moving on, moving forward in this league. You look at the Islanders, the way their roster is constructed. They're not able to throw big money at some of these guys because they don't want to come here. They don't want to pay those taxes. You're going to have to overpay. Look at what some of these California teams have to do with yeah. that area. Carlson deal that's huge numbers but you have to do those things to keep guys around Connor McDavid same thing Canadian taxes are huge you get taxed for where you live so they're getting you know overpaid or overtaxed some of the guys in Canada I think there's some loopholes where you can get the state taxes or whatnot but also even on the road you get uh taxed I believe for where where you you play yeah so if you're playing a lot of teams in your division that also don't have state taxes that's also another benefit for you
1: Yeah, and I'll add that I know, like, just speaking with the players on the Golden Knights who have signed contracts here since the team began, it's absolutely a. like it's they take less money because they know they're going to end up with more money like William Carlson just signed a deal for 5.9 and he deserves
2: so much more right and and he could have
1: gotten and he could have gotten more but he wanted to stay in Vegas he likes it here for one and for two it's like if I go get a million extra somewhere else it's actually going to end up being less in my pocket so like it it creates an unbalanced and unfair advantage and and I think they should change that
2: here, Like here, you know, again, now here's my thought on it. I, I completely agree that there, there should be some type of rule change that evens the play of the playing field. It creates more parity amongst all teams in the NHL. Um, but that kind of leads me, kind of segues into my next point. And I know he's denied that there's reports about this contract, this handshake uh, contract extension. But just an example, you know, it was reported a couple of days ago that Robin Leonard is taking, was it five years, 25, five million a year? Robin Leonard is my opinion with the way he's played can get more than that. any in a lot of places in the league, you know um, there's a lot of teams are going to be in the market for a starting goalie this off season. And he absolutely could have gotten more than five a year. 100%. I've always been on the, uh, on the bandwagon of not overpaying your goaltenders because I think it's, it's been proven time and time again that you don't need to high you know, pay, pay a goalie a lot of money to win a Stanley cup. Um, you don't need oh, to pay yeah. a goalie $10 million like you are Carey Price, you know, to, to be a competitive team. You know, you should build around your goaltender. But, you know, a, a perfect example, I truly believe if that, that is all true, if the reports are true, that there is a handshake agreement between Vegas and, and Robin. I don't think it's that a
0: handshake agreement. They came to terms, in, and Jesse, am I wrong, in June that this was, they're just waiting for the season to be over? Well, or... Robin denied it.
1: Yeah. We asked Robin about that deal and he said, it's not true and nothing's finalized. Um, I, so before all the reports of the five by five deal came out a few days before that, I reported, um, that the team's plan is for Robin Leonard to sign long-term. And I believe and like from everything I've heard from multiple sources is that they have started talks and that they the plan is for Robin Leonard to be the goalie moving forward. And I've heard Trust me, I've heard plenty from different different people about that deal, that exact deal, five by five. And I haven't been able to confirm it enough with a primary source to be confident in reporting that. So I didn't report that there was a five-year deal. Um, A few others outside of the Vegas market did. Robin Leonard denied that deal, but I still am very confident that they are at least speaking. I don't know if that deal's been agreed upon or if there's been a handshake agreement or what it is, but I am very confident that they have spoken about a deal and that the plan... Right now, moving forward, is Robin Leonard will be the goalie.
0: Well, with that being said, he has been, you know, phenomenal this playoffs. Um, you know, a save percentage. I know, you know, he, he has – I don't want to say he's had a bad past couple games. Um, that, you know, looking back, you know, he, he's done his job. That's not the reason why they've right. lost. Um, I just find it fascinating – that Vegas has really let me guys ask you this have they ran into hot goaltending yes but they're also they have not been been scoring like they they have been you you go back in um you know even their one loss to Chicago they got blanked by Corey Crawford and and then you know Markstrom was playing really well but what what Demko was able to do they're up three to one in their series right and they had three opportunities to close it out it took them up until when was that goal scored in Game Seven in the third period? It late, six minutes late,
2: late, real late. So,
0: yeah, that's what 120, 106, 175 some odd minutes for them to solve Thatcher Demko, and and they're running that into that with Thatcher Demko. So looking forward to to tonight's game, Jesse, Dwayne, and Ty B. Like, I've I've been you know looking into this. The the commons um the common answer seems to be that they need to generate more traffic. Um but that's easier said than done. And you know, could K- is, is, you know, from from my analysis, he plays in unorthodox style. And uh it takes me back to one of the power play saves late in the third period. It went right to left. I think it was um maybe uh I, I can't remember. Maybe Riley Smith with a one timer. Kodobin yep, came Riley. out of yeah, his it was crease. Smith. Yeah, and, and just um i I used to play that way. I love that. He recognized that he had help on the backside. If there was a rebound, Recognized that it was definitely a shot. You don't see that from a ton of goalies. Uh, he's playing on top of, you know, he's at the top of his game guys. What in, in your opinion, fellas, what does Vegas need to do to, to break through? And, 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 you know, they need to score unless they get a world-class performance from Leonard, you know, Dallas plays, you know, a good counter-attack game. They're going to get at least a couple goals. You got to figure, right? Yeah. And so oh. you
1: Glad- I'll start by saying I don't think it's hot goalies. I think the Golden Knights turned goalies into hot goalies and they've done it all year. It, this isn't just a Thatcher Demko and like you mentioned Corey Crawford. This isn't just about Hudobin and Demko. They've done this all season long. If you look at the analytical numbers, the Golden Knights led the NHL in shot attempts. They led the NHL in scoring chances and they led the NHL in high danger scoring chances, but they were 14th in goals. Um, those things don't add up. It doesn't make any sense. And the reason is because I think the style of offense they play makes it easier on goalies. They don't get as much traffic in front of the net. But I also think, and like you guys know, how much harder is it to stop a play when it's a rush chance coming at you? And these guys are flying down the ice and, and it's so much harder to read yeah. the play as it happens. And even if you are reading it, it's harder to read the shot and it's harder to get over it. Whereas when the puck comes into your zone, settles in your zone, it's a sustained offensive zone possession and the puck is moving around to stationary players and the shot is coming even though it's there's movement before the shot because it's there's a pass it's coming from a stationary player who's standing there waiting for the one-timer it's just easier to read those shots I mean I suck at goalie and it's easier for me to read those shots so I know it's easier for Kudobin and Demko to read those shots and to me the Golden Knights have have changed their system from being a transition because when they went to the cup final they were scoring in transition William Carlson and Riley Smith the they were the best
0: of- transition team that year that I've ever seen right.
1: And since then, I think Pete DeBoer, you see how well they possess the puck because Dallas can't get the puck. The Golden Knights have the puck for 90% of the game. And because of that, they're being safer with the puck. When they enter the zone, they aren't going to the net. They're, they cross the blue line, and they aren't even looking for a scoring chance in transition. What they're doing is they're gaining the blue line, and then they're trying to curl back, buy space, buy time, set up that offense, get it back to the point, and then fire from the point. So a lot of these shots you see, who's scoring their goals? It's Shea Theodore and Alec Martinez, the defenseman. Yep their shots coming from 40 feet away from the goalie rather than trying to score those initial zone entry chances, go to the net and try to score. And the reason they don't do that is because when you do that, you open yourself up to turnovers and you open yourself up to transition the other way. So the golden Knights have, have played in a way that is safe and doesn't allow much the other way. And I think it's hurt their offense the other way. So if it's me, give up a few more chances for Dallas, trust Leonard back there or flurry back there and trust that you have higher skill in transition than Dallas does. And I think that's the case.
2: I I absolutely agree. Uh, You know, you kind of take your goal scorers out of the game when you do that, you know, and you see it, you see it with Shea Theodore, how well he's had the the playoff he's had, but you're taking your stones, your, your Carlson's out of the game in that manner. The guys who are best fit for playing, you know, you know, playing in transition. Um, but it also benefits your goaltender. You know, you look at the, the playoff. Robin Leonard has, and right. you know the, the amount of shutouts and just like, I'm honestly in a lot of those games. Not not a lot of, but you know, not not to take anything away from Leonard because he's had he has, he has answered when when called upon. But you know. He, the, the high percentage, high danger scoring chances, they weren't there in those games because, like you said, they were a, pos- a possession team. They were, they were maintaining possession throughout the game, and they weren't giving up those chances. Whereas, you know, y- y- you look at other teams who, you know, do run and gun, they don't. and They trust their goalie to bail them out every once in a while.
1: Yeah, he hasn't faced a lot and like he made that huge glove save in game 7. He deserves yep. all the credit. That literally saved their season. And but he hasn't been asked to do much. Like you look at these shutouts and yeah, he's got four shutouts. It ties the franchise record. There have only been I think five goalies to have more in a single post season, but it at the same time, most of those shutouts are like 14, 15 safe shutouts, and they're not 14 or 15 high-danger chances. He's, he's, he's had a very easy run, and as you guys know, that can, those games can be difficult when, when you're going 10 minutes without a shot on goal, and yeah. then all of a sudden it's a, it's a breakaway on your end. Like those, it can't, those aren't easy to save, and I think he deserves credit for sticking with it, even in games that aren't the easiest for goalies. But at the same time, Reb, Robin Leonard has not been carrying this team. He's kind of just been chilling back there doing his job.
0: And yeah, on that note, I agree completely, because as you guys mentioned, it isn't always easy, you know, playing when you're not getting a ton of uh, the rubber. He's done his job, and I think the stats can be misleading because people saw the, the amount of shutouts. But as you alluded to, Jesse, um, when Vegas is has, you know, controlling possession for, you know, more than three quarters of the game, you, you're you're bound to to not give up much, right? And right. Exactly. Look on the flip side of that, when you are getting a ton of shots, it's easy to find that rhythm. And we've absolutely seen Kadobin find that rhythm and, and stay in that zone, guys. He stopped 100, 119 out of 125. That's good for a 952 save percentage in this series. That's out of this world. And, and you see it. That's. I think it was also last game. If not, it was game uh, game game three. When he, um, uh, right in front, when he went into the splits and made that toe save when he stretched out, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I, I tore my groin just looking at that. Yeah. And that. Was a bit was that last game or the game before that?
1: It was game three. It was, it was game, game
0: three, before. and that's a, that's a big yeah. turning point too um, because I want to say the game was tied or if maybe they're down by one, uh, but that save right there. Like, that's incredible. And it wasn't just that save. It was the one right before it and the one right after. And he's playing out of his mind right now. He's getting a ton of shots. And, and like you alluded to, I think it goes back to, you know, outside of creating more traffic, let's play off the rush. And I don't know if DeBoer is, is coaching that style and if that's something they're looking to do. But if I'm Vegas right now, you got to try something because the way Dallas is playing right now, um, you know what? They're getting they're – getting, they're executing on their scoring chances, and, and we're seeing. It was just interesting to see, guys. And I'm Jesse. I'm sure you saw it between. They talked about it in the media. Um, you know, the different uh, forwards. Uh, Riley Smith said, "I think we're trying to get to the net, and it seems like a mad scramble. and We're just not finding loose pucks as a forward group. We've got to do a better job finding some of those loose pucks." That's that's my thought. Is when you look at uh, Pavelski's goal or some of Dallas's goals, they do a really good job on the second and third chances. How many times have we seen Vegas score a rebound goal? As as good of a team as they are, they haven't really generated any of those goals. And and I know that's not something you really plan out, but it is kind of a mindset you have to have. And if Vegas can find a way to do that, they're going to have success.
1: I think the way they're playing is leading to that. Um, I don't think the Golden Knights players are doing a poor job of getting on loose pucks. And like a lot of it, they, always, they like to point to effort. And like they like to say, oh, we have to have a better effort to get there. But that's not always the case. I feel like you know, these guys are trying as hard as they can. To me...
3: They're not in the right spots.
1: To me, Dallas, they're, they're, they're creating their chances on the rush. And they have to because they don't have the puck long enough to create offensive zone time. So everything they get is on the rush. And on the rush, as you guys know players aren't as, the, the defense isn't as structured because it's still trying to set up. You're
2: backing up. them up. You're, you're backing so, them up into yes. their goalies.
1: Right. So when you create a shot, all of a sudden there's a guy wide open for the for the second chance opportunity. But when the puck has been in the offensive zone for five minutes and you're cycling it around, cycling it around, all the defensemen have now settled into their spots where they're supposed to be. They are now in a shell around the goalie and they're waiting for that, Puck to be rebounded by Kudobin, and they're waiting to sweep it away and get it out of there. And the Golden Knights just can't get inside there. and I, And I think if you if you like I said, if you go into transition, all of a sudden those star that stars defense that's so structured, it's so much easier to break down that structure on the rush than it is in a sustained offensive zone pressure so I do think that the second chance opportunities haven't been there and that's an issue but I think that they're making it easier on Dallas to prevent those second chance opportunities it's not just a matter of we're not doing the effort or we're not getting the puck luck it's not bouncing on our sticks I think you need to break their defense down so that there aren't just guys sitting on the back post waiting for that puck to pop out so they can easily clear it away.
3: Yeah, well they're, everyone they're tying up everyone sticks in front of the net because you know they're if they are getting to the net they're just kind of stationary there yeah. in that same position for a little bit, and their backs are probably to the net they're not streaking towards it at all like you would be on the rush with those guys coming back it's very reminiscent of what we kind of complain about with the Sabres a lot during the regular season it's you're never getting those second third opportunities and those are some of the easiest goals and the goals you have to finish when you're getting a goalie out of position you've got to take advantage of that and I think yeah you got to move the puck a little bit faster get that get the defense on their heels especially when you're playing the number one defensive team in the NHL for sure I
2: completely agree Ty you know
3: it, it, it
2: also in part you know you have to start playing a little desperate hockey You know, you got got, got to play with some desperation. And, you know, that entails going to the net getting dirty, taking a hack, you know, taking a cross check. You know, you, you, you have a guy like Ryan Reeves on this team who I know he's not going to log you a lot of minutes, but you know what, man? Maybe he's got – when he is out there, he's got to get in front of the net and take a beating and give a beating. You know, I I, I don't know, man. Yeah, fourth line,
0: Dwayne, I think that fourth line has really done their job. That's not part of the problem. But no, it's not. It's you're not. he are got to chip in offensively. My question, you guys, is this. We've seen a ton of – Dallas um, – Vegas, is their defense has, has been generating a lot of their offense, right? Yep. Correct. Right. to me, is going to be in the Norris conversation for the next five years. He's, he's absolutely playing – you know, him and Alec Martinez have been playing great. Let's not miss the, the elephant in the room here. has got to be their power play. You go back to that game five or yeah, game four last game. They Vegas had a golden opportunity that five on three, right? Yep.
1: Long five on three. It was over a minute. Yep.
0: In your guys' opinion, what what is the reason why they haven't capitalized? Because Dallas, as much as they haven't got as many power play chances, their numbers are, are much better and, and they've taken advantage and, and those are momentum swing plays, right guys? So, I mean, I guess fellas, in your opinion, what, what has to click in order for, for Vegas to, to make it count on the power play? Cause if they had, then, then game four goes much differently, right?
1: Yeah. I I'll have to, I think I might've been hanging out with Pete DeBoer for too long, but I'll just steal his answer on this one. Um, okay. he, he says this all the time and special teams are just a product of the way you're playing at five on five. And if you're playing good defense at five on five, you're going to play well on the penalty kill. And they have, they've killed like Dallas scored there in that last game. But I think prior to that, the golden Knights had killed either 20 or 21 penalties in a row. And if you're struggling to score at five on five, even though you're creating chances, but you're not putting it in the net, it's the same is going to happen in the power play. And it, that's basically what has happened to them. And, and on that five on three, I, and I think everyone who watches the Golden Knights, was screaming at their TV, how is there nobody in front of Kudobin on a 5-on-3? Because at 5-on-5, you can argue, you know what, their defense is structured, they got some big guys in front, Elsa Lindell, they're clearing out the front of the net, we just can't get in position. But when it's 5-on-3, Dallas doesn't even have enough players to clear out the front of the net if they wanted to. Even if they wanted to, they can't, because they don't have the players when they only only have three guys.
0: Was it Patrick
1: No, it's usually Riley Smith, and he's done a decent job of it, but in that, but that, that one play, play, when
0: they did get it to the top, no. Theodore he had popped out to look for the honey hole play, and there right. was no traffic. And you're right, guys. It goes back. There was a rebound on that, or no? Maybe that was the one that Kadovan caught clean because nobody was in front of him. That's that's tough. You're right.
1: You have to get a guy in front of the net on a five on three. I mean, they they don't have a person to match up with that guy. If you put a guy in the net, they can't even they can't even have a guy trying to move him out. Or it's like they're going to leave the other side wide open. It's an automatic goal. To me, that that was you have somebody coming the
0: front. You're leaving that seam patch wide if, open. It's almost asking for
2: a goal. Right. If you're if if you're not putting a guy in front of the net you know on a five on three power play you're just making it so much easier for us as goaltenders to read the play because there's nothing going on in front of you. there's nobody you have to worry about even if there's a guy in your back door you know he's there and you know you don't have to worry about to about them. anybody anybody you know impeding you on making on getting over to that play so you can focus on it like there's, there's you know that's that's my opinion man like that's one of the biggest things on the power play not even just a five on three get somebody in the goalie's face you have that extra attacker get somebody in the goalie's face like you know impede him obstruct him you know screw with him like just do whatever well, you got to do like i you know that that was one of the one things i, I always worry i'm not sure what you it and you know you jesse but like when you're when, you, when you're on when you when you're killing a penalty as a goaltender you know if you're if the other team's allowing you to sit outside your paint and you know, cut down those angles and just be able to replace because they're not putting anybody in front of you. That is the greatest thing in the world because easy
3: you, it
1: makes it, it easy. It,
2: it is you. know, don't you don't want to be backed up in. You're not giving up more area, more area to shoot at. And that's that. That's what you know. Vegas is doing for Dallas. You know, you're not you're not obstructing Kudobin at all, at all. I yep. and, it's, said, it's and they did. The thing to
1: against to, it,
2: it it's almost criminal to get to this point in the playoffs and to literally just not. Uh, you know, cause any havoc in front of them, especially, and that's where I come back to playing desperation hockey. You, you gotta, you gotta play desperation hockey right now if you expect to, you know, to even get to a game six.
1: And maybe we'll get that. That's like I keep. Like I've been very negative in here, and they're down 1-3, so I guess I should be negative. But this team's really freaking good. I mean, they're, they're one of the best teams in hockey, and maybe we'll get the desperation out of them down 1-3. This team hasn't faced much adversity in these playoffs. I mean, they've, they've cruised, and, and they, they earned the right to cruise by getting that number one seed in the round robin. But I, like I wrote the story. This has been the easiest path to a cup final for any team in the history of hockey. Um, they played the 23rd-ranked team in the league, Chicago. 23. There were only three teams in the entire Western Conference worse than them, and they got to play them in the first round, and they cruised. It was an easy series. Even when they lost the one game, it was already 3-0. There was absolutely no worry when they lost that game. It's like, whatever. Then they get to play Vancouver in the second round, who is a talented young team who's coming up, but they're still, I think they were the 16th-ranked team in the league. They're not even in the top half, and they weren't ready for this stage yet. Like, that team is a couple years away from being a cup They're going to be good. They're going to be good. Right, I think they will be. But right now, they weren't there. And the Golden Knights kind of cruised through that until they, they had a couple games. But like even that, they kind of chalked it up to whatever. We're still outplaying them. They just, Thatcher Demko's been awesome. We're still going to win. They haven't felt danger yet. And now they finally have. This is the first time all playoffs that they it, they feel like they're in trouble. And this team has a bunch of really good players and they've got a bunch of great leaders in that locker room. So if there's a team that can turn this into... We're, our backs are against the wall. We're going to come out here and play desperate hockey and, and make those plays. I think this team is fully capable of doing that. And if they do, Dallas is in trouble because I think Vegas is better than Dallas when it comes down. Like when both teams are playing at their best, Vegas is the better team in my opinion. So they, while I've been very negative, I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't be shocked at all if this team crawls out of this 3-1 deficit to, to win this series. But they have to play desperate hockey.
0: And I think the biggest thing comes down to this you have certain guys um, that that are struggling right and it's not just uh, Riley Smith, um, but you know guys like uh, March so, but even Mark Stone and Alex took they only have one goal in their past eight games. William Carson one of this William Carlson, one in his past seven, Paul statsy has got two and twelve. Here's the stat that jumps out at me fellas. Vegas has ten goals in their past seven games, all right and only four of those were not into an empty net from forwards, all right. That's, that to me is if you're going to win this, and Dwayne, like you said, desperation hockey, we've talked about, you know, playing a little bit nastier in front of the net and getting the power play going, you need your best players to be your best players. And as much of a cliche as that is, it's always held true to me. If you're going to be successful at this level, at this stage. Um, so here's the thing that's scary. Um, one of the other scary things is since like they uh, they went to the conference final format in eighty one eighty two, in the conference finals, um, teams that are trailing three to one are one in 34 can Vegas be the second team to do it I think so but like you guys said they have to have contributions from those forwards they're on the schneid get that monkey off their back and they have to you know have their best players be their best players and also in, in that stretch Robin Leonard has to be damn near perfect Jesse really quick you mentioned um you know Leonard or Flower do you have any reason to believe that you know uh Flurry will be given a chance or do you think it's Leonard all the way
1: no, I, I already reported today. Uh, yeah, he reported three hours uh, ago. Leonard. Yeah, Robin Leonard is expected to be in net. And to be honest, I, I don't think there's a chance Flurry plays. And, and the reason I say Flurry is because um, I have been arguing from the very beginning of these playoffs. I thought he should have been given the net. And then, Robert, you have a great backup in Robin Leonard. And if Flurry falters or – because Flurry's a streaky guy, right? Like when he's on, he's clearly better than Robin Leonard. Like when, when Flurry is on, I don't even think he and Robin Leonard even belong in the same stratosphere. But Flurry isn't always on. Whereas Robin Leonard is a much, much, much more consistent goalie. And his style leads to that. Like it lends to being more consistent. So if it was me, if it was up to me and I was the coach, I would have started Flurry. Let's see if we can get hot Marc-Andre Flurry Because if he, if we get a hot Marc-Andre Flurry, we're going to the cup final. And then if you don't get that, then go to Leonard. And they, they, Pete DeBoer didn't opt to go in that direction. He thought Leonard was the better goalie and he went with him And and I have disagreed with a lot of the decisions that have been made, but that's why he's getting paid the big bucks and he's behind the bench, and I'm sitting here.
2: And that, and that's honestly, that's how you know he he you know he was forced out of Pittsburgh is the streakiness. He brought in a guy like Matt Murray, who, in my opinion, I don't think he's much better than an. Matt average Murray sucks. I, Probably beat
0: him six yeah, times. Yeah, you
2: know what I mean. You know what I mean. Like, and I think he's on his way out of Pittsburgh now too. But Matt Murray, in my opinion, was an example of a goaltender who was just. Average, average at best, but he had a phenomenal team in front of him, especially in the playoffs. But Flurry, like you said, when he's on, there's not many guys in the league that's better. And Kudovic is not a world class goaltender. Let's be real here. I I don't know. Average goaltender. Vegas is making him look phenomenal. Like I don't know.
0: I don't know. I'm, I'm going to disagree there. I think Khadobin, although he's not a world-class goaltender, we've seen it before. All it takes is a goalie to have that. He's elite. He's one of the top 100 in the world. All you need is a goalie to get hot at the right time. He's hot right now. Dwayne, you're telling me that Khadobin's not the best goalie in the playoffs right now? No. Are you telling me he could, he's not? No, I don't, I don't think do not. think you fucking drunk.
2: Goalie. Okay.
0: I'm I'm joking. Joking. Are you kidding me? He has played
2: unbelievable. Vas- you're telling me. You're telling me. You're taking Ante- Anton Anton over Vasilevsky right now. You right now?
0: Absolutely. Mind. If I have so, one game no, to win the Stanley no, Cup, no, absolutely. No, Fuck no, you. Ride a bike with no seat, buddy. No, you can do. No, no. I'm not taking i Va- I'm not taking Kondobin over Vasilovsky. Absolutely I, well, not. Read it Not a screen. shot. I think Kondobin is shut down. One of the highest. I think he shut down one of the highest-flying, highest-scoring uh, teams in the game right now. And right now, you're right. Vasilevsky, I take him as if I'm building a team. But right now, I'm taking Um, uh, because I don't think the Islanders have really tested Vasilevsky um, nearly and, enough. As the other, uh, other
3: team. I, actually, the team that has the most high-danger chances in the entire playoffs is the New York Islanders.
0: Okay, I but on this and the Western Conference, there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, and like to your point, though, Leonard hasn't been the reason they've lost games at yeah. all. He's done his job back there. But at the same time, he hasn't been playing at, an, at like out of his mind. And if he were playing out of his mind, you look at the scoring chances each way. If Leonard was playing out of his mind right now, the Golden Knights would have probably swept this series.
3: Yeah. I don't disagree yeah, He's there. just playing average hockey. I don't think you're getting any more than that out of him. But if you're getting that, if you're a team like Vegas, you should expect to win with everything else you do as a team. But when those goals aren't falling, it puts a lot of stress on the rest of that lineup at times, I think. And that's where, you know, when those top guys, your first line isn't really putting it in the back of the net, then it falls on your secondary scoring. And we see that in Buffalo all the time. When that secondary scoring can't help, then everyone gets into a funk. And that's where you talk about, you know, the power play goes awry then and everything. And it's sort of a trickle down effect with the team. And you've just got to hope that you can stay sound defensively and continue to make the small plays to make those chances continue to happen because eventually they're going to fall for you. You just got to wait and you just got to, you know. stay steady with it. You just got to keep up with it. And that's very hard to do, especially in a, you know, a seven game series when you're stuck in this bubble right now, you don't have a lot to take your mind off the game and the issues that you're having. you ne- you know, you don't have your family there or any, any sort of those fallbacks. So it takes, I think it's a lot more psycho- psychological right now for Vegas in, in the problems with their scoring.
1: For yeah. Sure. And I will say that Peter DeBoer has done a phenomenal job of keeping them like Keeping the mindset, like stick with it, and it'll eventually happen. To the point where I've almost even been critical of, like maybe you're sticking with it a little too much. Like let's change something because we talked to him after, like they've lost three of the last four, and if you go back to Vancouver, they've lost five of the last seven games. So to me, I you look at the underlying analytics, and I see why it's easy to see why Pete DeBoer says if we keep doing this, we're going to win. I understand the thought process, but at the same time, if you've lost five of your last seven games. What are the odds if you keep doing the exact same thing, you're going to win three in a row? Like, it just doesn't seem likely to me.
0: Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head. we got to wrap it up here in a minute. But on that note, Jesse, his quote that – I don't know if if it it struck me the wrong way or what. He he said, the worst thing we can do is analyze this to death and start changing a bunch of things. If you can throw out double the amount of high danger scoring chances on a given night, you're going to win most games. If you got to trust that eventually that will come around and swing your way. The hard part to me, guys, is in the playoffs, you don't always have that other night, right? So right. It, it's, it's do or die time. And Before we go, let's get your predictions. Jesse, what do you got here Uh the game tonight? Who do you got winning? What's your score?
1: Oh, score? I'll go Dallas 2-1. That seems to be what happens every night. I honestly – believe that this team is believes what they're doing is going to work, and I think that if they do it again, they're going to get this a similar result. So like I said earlier, I would not be surprised if the Golden Knights come back and win this series, but right now, the more likely scenario is Dallas finishes it.
0: I'm with you on there. I got Dallas winning 4-2 with an empty netter. It's going to be close to the very end. Vegas is going to have a power play chance late in the game, and they're going to hit one off the post. Kadobin has the hockey gods on his side. Um, and that's all she wrote for the Vegas Golden Knights. Ty B., who do you got tonight and going forward?
3: I mean, if I was a betting man, my money would be on Vegas, and I am a betting man, so <laughs> my money will be on Vegas tonight. I know that the bookmakers want Vegas to be out of the playoffs, that it's always you know, their biggest liability because so many of the local Vegas people put futures on them. You saw that happen that first year, and what happened? The Capitals were able to get over them, so they avoided that huge, huge payout. But I do like Vegas to keep the series going. I think they're going to get just enough from their scoring. Maybe a 3-1 with an empty netter late late in this one. I think they extend it. And wait, on that
0: note, um, do you have them take in the series or does Dallas wrap it up after that?
3: Oh, I think it's going to go to seven and Dallas is going to end it in seven. I love
0: it. Dwayne, what do you got?
2: I got Vegas taking it tonight 2 nothing with an empty nutter. I think we're going to get another Robin Leonard shutout. You know, I know we're not supposed to say that, but I don't care. Um, and I think we are going to force a game seven. And honestly, it's tough for me to make the decision. But I think Vegas has enough talent on this team, and the goaltending is going to be good enough where I think they can they can pull out, you know, be that second team to come back from being down three to one, three games to one. And, um, uh, you know, I, I have Vegas win, w- winning in seven games um that'd be fun yeah yeah one thing one thing i do want to announce real quick obviously uh you know it's been a long time coming but train wreck sports has uh gone over to wordpress and our our website is up and active um reason obviously can't wait can't
3: wait to get dwayne writing up there so he can stop writing in his notes and tweeting out four (laughs) pictures it'll all be in one nice (laughs) article took took a little while for the process wix was an absolute headache but now we're over there on wordpress everything's starting to get a little more fluid lots of updating right now going on and we're getting that ready to go uh perfectly in time for the football season so there's going to be a ton of content especially going into the nhl draft i know you guys will be talking about it we're going to get some people over for crossing swords as well because i think it's it's less than a month away now
2: yep less than a month october yep and one, one other thing, too, is I, I, bring, I bring that up outside of the obvious for announcing it, but um, I do plan, I've discussed this with you, Ty, and writing my very first article on the man himself, Robin Leonard, and his, his journey back to being, you know, a, a, a polarized, he's already a polarizing figure, finger, uh, finger, a polarizing figure, a polarizing figure in the league. Um, but I, uh, I, his, his story captivates me a lot of what happened here in Buffalo with him where he is right now and i hope you know uh jesse and maybe even uh mike mckenna you know maybe i can collaborate with you guys on writing that story too if you guys if you guys wouldn't mind um because i'm i'm extremely excited writing you know just like you jesse i've always been an avid you know that's always been a passion of mine um i can't wait to get started just like ty said get off the note the the notes (laughs) on the iphone and start writing on work you know with with the the website so I, i couldn't be more excited
0: yeah. For sure. Well, Hey, this has been an awesome show. Uh, we will, we will be, you know, it will be a fun game to watch tonight, fellas. And Jesse, it's been absolutely awesome having you on, man. I think it's safe to say we would love to have you back on and hopefully it could be, you know, sometime next week, at, you know, previewing the Stanley cup. But if not, if, if Vegas season does end, um, I, I can't wait to have you back on for next season, man. It's been a blast. Anytime you get three goalies on a mic, uh, it's electric. So, uh, great show, Ty B Always, thank you for being here. That mustache takes me six to midnight in a hurry. Um, and on that note, go Bills, go Bills. All the Josh Allen is, all the Josh Allen haters out there can touch their toes because my man threw for 300, and the Bills are 1-0. Um, so seriously, though, Jesse, thanks again for being here, man. You are awesome. Um, appreciate it. Anybody that hasn't, be sure to check his workout in the Athletic. The guy is a talented writer. And you know his access to, to the team is is phenomenal. I went back through and and read a bunch of your articles today. Uh, bravo, my friend. And um, you know what, we got some good hockey here. And you know what, we're a couple days away from the Stanley Cup uh, starting. Um, hopefully for Jesse and in, in the Vegas Nice, maybe we're a week away from the from the Stanley Cup. Uh, awesome. Any closing thoughts, guys? Wrap
2: it Thanks up for having me, guys. And I
1: appreciate it. I
2: I, I, it's been a blast, guys. Thanks again, Jesse, man. Like I said, I'll shoot a text out to you soon. And like I said, we'll definitely collaborate again sometime soon, whether it's for, you know, you know Vegas Golden Knights, the Bay Lightning final. I don't am getting ahead of myself. I know cats would kill me, uh, you know, just predicting that it's going to be a win for the, for the Lightning. But I'm hoping that we can talk about a Lightning Golden Knights uh, Stanley Cup final.
0: Love it. Sounds good. This has been episode 31 of Two Goalies, One Mike. For Dwayne Stein, for Ty B and Jesse Granger, I'm Johnny Cullen. We will see you guys next show.
1: I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent—almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.
0: Do, did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready tara sloan from the san jose sharks undercurrent podcast at nbc sports marianne Iverson from Iverson voice and the let's take this outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land